The gospel reading today comes from the gospel of Mark, as we've been doing throughout this, this, uh, this church calendar. Um, Mark will be our gospel of emphasis throughout this year. And we find in our reading today the very beginning, just after John the Baptist has been proclaiming the good news and baptizing people in the wilderness, Jesus appears. Please stand as you are able in reverence to the hearing of God's holy word, found in Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts. And the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, in this new season of Lent, in this time of introspection, in this time of wilderness, we ask that you speak to us and that we have ears to listen. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A lot happens in today's scripture. In just seven verses. Now, this is typical of Mark. Mark packs a lot of information in just a few verses. And so, even the gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, who had Mark, had to expand to tell more of this story. Mark is just getting the highlights and going on to the next thing. And there's so much that happens in these seven verses. I have to admit, I wasn't quite sure what to preach on. There were so many things we could have talked about. We first encounter Jesus in this passage that I just read to you. We're told he's from Nazareth, which is in Galilee. He gets baptized by John the Baptist. He sees the heavens torn open. He hears God. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Notice how similar this is to what we heard last week at Transfiguration Sunday. These are the only two times that God speaks to Jesus in the Gospels. At Transfiguration, he said something similar. He said, this is my son, the beloved. But he said on the mountaintop, listen to him. Here today, he says, with you I am well pleased. Then immediately, and again, this is the theme throughout the Gospel of Mark. We see urgency. We see things happening immediately. And immediately in this case, right after he comes out of the water, the Spirit drives him into the wilderness. And he's in the wilderness for 40 days. And he's tempted by Satan. He's got wild beasts around him. And angels are waiting on him. That's a remarkable thing to say about what was going on for 40 days for Jesus. But that's not all. Then... Right after that, we see that John the Baptist has been arrested. And Jesus leaves the wilderness, goes home back to the Galilee, and starts proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So many sermons I could have preached on that short passage. So many different directions we could have gone. And I have to admit, I really struggled 
with what to talk to you about today. I didn't know what the Lord had in store for us. And I prayed more than I usually do. I even asked Kara and Patricia to pray for me and help me out. And it worked. Thank you. (laughs) It's a scary thing not knowing what comes next. Not knowing what to do. Having nowhere to turn but to God. And I guess you could say for a few days, I was in a bit of a wilderness myself, not knowing which way to go. So I started researching the wilderness and places that the word wilderness appears in the Bible. It turns out in these first 12 verses of Mark are the only places in Mark where wilderness is mentioned. Twice describing where John the Baptist was working, right? He was out in the wilderness uh, eating locusts and wild honey and baptizing people. And then Jesus comes to get baptized in the wilderness and then is sent to a different wilderness uh, for the 40 days. In fact, in the New Testament, there's only 31 times wilderness is mentioned, mostly describing what Mark just described um, or talking about the time that the Hebrews were in the wilderness, not for 40 days, but for 40 years after they were freed from slavery in Egypt. In fact, most of the Old Testament references to wilderness talking about, talk about these 40 years. You know that story, right, about how they were freed from, from slavery. They went to Mount Sinai. They got the Ten Commandments. But it was 40 years between the receipt of those Ten Commandments and the time they finally entered the Promised Land. And in the meantime, they were fed by God, right? They got manna from heaven. But it wasn't great, and they wandered around, and they were complaining, and they were being attacked by enemies. They were not happy people. It was a real wilderness for 40 years. So I began to wonder, what's the connection between the the wilderness periods of 40 years that the Hebrews experienced, the wilderness that John the Baptist was in, and the wilderness that Jesus went to for these 40 days? It occurs to me, if, if you're a pessimist, one way you could look at this whole wilderness stuff is you could say, well, is it because the wilderness came after something great? You have a great thing happen and then, ugh, then the next thing that happens is a wilderness. That maybe is the kind of thing a pessimist would say, and that's what happened. We say the Hebrews, 40 years of freedom are preceded, preceded from the slavery and giving of the law. So they had a mountaintop. They got out of slavery. They got the law, but then they had 40 years in the wilderness. John the Baptist, he has a popular ministry. What happens next? He gets arrested. He went to a wilderness after the mountaintop. And, of course, we know with Jesus, he went out into the wilderness after his baptism, and he got to hear from God directly. Does that mean, if you're a pessimist, that wildernesses come after mountaintop experiences? Well, maybe. We've all had that kind of experience, haven't we? Where we've been on a mountaintop and then you think, how is it I'm already back in the wilderness? And this happened to Jesus several times. For example, we know that when after last Sunday on the Transfiguration, he went down in the valley and there were problems immediately waiting for him when he got there. We know Jesus, after Palm Sunday, just a few days later, is crucified. Maybe the message from this is don't get too comfortable with the mountaintop because the valley may lie ahead if you're a pessimist. Now, if you're an optimist, you may see this all differently. Maybe is it, is it because the wilderness came before something great happened? You were in a wilderness, but there's a better outcome coming on the other end of this. Well, that happened in the scriptures too. I mean, after the Hebrews were in the wilderness for 40 years, they got to go to the promised land finally. So there was a highlight. John the Baptist got to baptize Jesus. 
Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness were followed by the beginning of his ministry. So one wonders, if you're in a wilderness now, does that mean there's going to be a, a mountaintop experience afterwards? Well, you know, maybe we've had that experience too. Jesus had this happen several times. People were at the beginning of Mark were asking, who is this guy who's performing these miracles and saying these remarkable things? And then he goes on the mountaintop and hears God speak to him at the transfiguration. He was attacked by the Pharisees after that, but then he gets a tremendous welcome on Palm Sunday. And of course, the cross wilderness was followed by the monumental event of the resurrection. So maybe the the message is for an optimist, don't let the wilderness get you down because great things are coming ahead. Well, there may be a third way to look at this. Maybe the wilderness has a purpose all its own. Maybe there's value in the wilderness. I mean, the 40 years that the Hebrews were in the wilderness prepared them. They had not known God's laws. They hadn't followed God's ways until they were in the wilderness. They needed that time to be trained, to learn to depend on God to take care of them because they hadn't before. They had depended on their slave masters in Egypt to take care of them. It took some time in the wilderness for them to get reoriented. John the Baptist, he was in the wilderness intentionally. He went there on purpose to be focused on God and to depend on God. Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, I think we're supposed to understand that that was how Jesus was prepared to enter into his ministry, right? He was being tempted. He was being attacked by enemies, by wild animals, and God took care of him the whole time. It taught him to, to depend on God, and then he taught us how to do that too. So then the question I might ask is, does this mean we need a wilderness for us to change? Do we have to have a wilderness for our priorities, our, our dependencies to change? I think the answer is absolutely. Oh, sure, maybe, you know, lucky cases every once in a while, a mountaintop will cause the positive change. But most of the time, it's when we're in the wilderness that we most desperately Seek God. Help me, Lord. Where are you, Lord? I can't do this without you, Lord. I don't know where to go. Get me out of this. I'll do anything you ask. Could the message be that God does his best work on us when we're in a wilderness? I'm going to confess, this has certainly been the case for me. I've been through a wilderness of my own. Details don't matter. But there was a period in my life where everything was turned upside down. Unexpectedly. Painfully. And I had nowhere else to turn. And so as a last resort, I actually gave God a chance. I mean, I've been a Christian my whole life. I went to church. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. But I think I treated that as more of a label. Something that I was, something I called myself, something that I did, something I was a member of. Maybe it was my club. But I wasn't defined by it. I was defined by what I did, and I was training to be a scientist. Right? If people ask me, what, who are you? I'd say, I'm a scientist. I got a Ph.D. in physics. I got a great job doing things that I thought were important. This is what defined me. This is who I was. And then the wilderness hit like an avalanche. 
And the weird thing is in the middle of all that, I still had the science. I still was doing this stuff that I thought was important. But somehow it didn't matter anymore. It no longer defined who I was. It left me wanting something more. left me empty. And the rules and the provisions that I had made for myself didn't work anymore. I asked myself, how did this happen? How do I get out? And I spent years in that wilderness trying to find an answer. And I can remember at one of my lowest points, in desperation, not praying but pleading, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I need your help. And would you believe it? I actually think I heard an answer. I think I heard God speak. You know what he said? It's about time. My life changed in that moment. Because I finally found my way out of the wilderness. And the way out wasn't physics. It wasn't being a son or a father or a husband. It wasn't because the way out wasn't helped by me being an Auburn football fan or a Duke graduate or somebody from Alabama. None of those things seemed to matter. The only way out, when I heard God say to me, you're my beloved child. And I'd always been. But I didn't know it because I didn't look for it. And I only looked for it because when I was in the wilderness, I had nowhere else to look. So I need to ask, are you in a wilderness right now? If you are, I have three things I want to say to you. First of all, you're not there because God put you there. God aches for the wilderness you find yourself in and wants you to come out to. He did not put you there. He is instead the way you're going to get out. The only way to get out is to turn to God like you've never done before. God's always been there, but this time in the wilderness may be your best chance ever to experience what that looks like. Don't just pray, plead, God, I need you. I can't do this anymore. Help me. And third, beware. If you really mean it, You're going to get an answer, and that answer will change your life like it did for me. And don't expect to go back to the way things were. Where things were got you into the wilderness. Expect to come out in a different place. Expect something different, something better, because by letting God lead you out, he's going to take you to a place he always wanted you to go in the first place. Now, that's if you're in a wilderness now. But if you're not in a wilderness now, I only have one thing I want to say to you. Are you sure? If you're in a place right now where things are going so well that you don't depend on God, you're in an even worse wilderness and you don't even know it. The most dangerous place you can ever be is the place where you're in control. 
You're in a wilderness where you think you can handle things yourself, where you can make your own rules and take care of yourself. And when you're in that wilderness, you'll forget to pray. You'll forget to seek God's guidance. You'll forget to give God the glory. And this is the worst kind of wilderness you can be in because you don't even know it. That's the kind of wilderness I was in. And I have to admit, I tend to drift back there from time to time. In fact, I think it's fair to say most people, most of the time, are in that kind of wilderness, if we're honest about it. Our Lenten study, Altered, is about creating an awareness of this wilderness. This awareness that we need to depend on God. About asking God to alter you with an E to become more like Christ, to become more like the person he created you to be. And to do that, he, the author recommends that we create altars with an A, two A's, in our life. Places we can come to remind ourselves daily of the sacrifices that have been made on our part. And to give up control and let God take over. Lent is the time for us to take on this kind of intentionality. To change the kind of wilderness that you're in. From one that forgets about God to one that desperately needs God. From one where you can make up the rules to the one where God makes up the rules. From one where you can take care of yourself to one where God takes care of you. From one where you figure out a way to get out to one that recognizes you need a savior to get out. The one that's focused on today to the one that knows that Easter is coming. If you've been in that kind of wilderness, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, if you haven't, you may think I've been drinking too much of the Jesus Kool-Aid, okay? But I plead for you, for your sake, don't wait for a life crisis to put you in that kind of wilderness. You can choose now, right now, in Lent. To let God take over. Because the path to salvation starts by recognizing which kind of wilderness you're in. In this Lenten season, I plead with you, open your eyes. You may be in a wilderness and not even know it. Repent. Change your ways. Because the only way out of this wilderness is the way. The way. The truth. And the life.